right, we can turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're continuing our message on uh, the gifts, concerning the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, we've been looking at the, the gifts of the Spirit now for several weeks, four weeks in general, and today we're going to continue our kind of introduction to this topic. Um, so far, we've been looking at verses 7 through 11. We got through verse, well, partly through verse 7 last week, and so we're going to pick it up again in verse 7. But we're, remember, we're talking about the problem of spiritual gifts in the church of Corinth. It was a horrific problem. They were fighting over them. They were desiring the more dynamic gifts, and they were just creating a real problem in the church. And uh, they wrote a letter to Paul, and Paul wrote back a letter to them uh, discussing these and many of the other problems they have. And so we were discussing the, the uh, focus of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life in verses 1 through 3. We looked at the differences among believers, and those differences are caused by God, are caused by the Holy Spirit himself. That's something to be celebrated. It's not something to be um, looked upon negatively. Even though we're one body in Christ, we're different members, and the Bible talks about that. And so today we continue, we looked at the design of the gifts relating to others and not yourself there in verse 7. And so we'll pick up in verse 7 and we'll read down through verse 11. Hopefully we'll get through this section today. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, To each, Paul writes, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between the Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Father, we ask this morning that you would lead us and guide us through this text of Scripture. Help us to see your truth for what it is. And Father, that we would be able to apply it to our own lives personally. We depend upon your Spirit to lead us and guide us. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we've been looking at the the producing of the gifts in, the, in our lives is the work of the Spirit. That's what we looked at last week. The manifestation of the Spirit is given. And we talked about that word a little bit. It basically means to make plain or to make known the working of the Spirit in someone's life. How do you know the Spirit's working? You see it. You make it clear. It's evident through their use of their spiritual gifts. Um, that's what spiritual gifts are for to make the Spirit evident. Um, They're not to build you up. They're not to glorify you. Um, And that's really when it says, talks about the manifestation of the Spirit, the meaning is the opposite of hidden or private. So the exercise of your spiritual gift is not something you do at home in your prayer closet, as some claim. That's a blatant misuse of Scripture. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. It tells us just the opposite, that whenever you use your spiritual gift, it shouldn't be for your own benefit. It should be for the benefit of others. That's why they're given to us. And so the whole argument of self-edification is not taught anywhere 
in Scripture. We're, we're to build one another up. And that's what spiritual gifts are given for. And so last week, we looked quickly at 12 things involving the work of the Spirit. We used 12 words, conviction, conversion, convincing, confidence, connection, Christ-likeness, control, change, comfort, calling, concern, and commitment. All those things come as a result of the Spirit of God working in and through you. These are not something that just happen because you come to church. Or because you read your Bible. It happens because the Spirit of God is producing those things in your life. And so we looked at the design of the gifts as it's related to others, not yourself. But also, we didn't get to this point last week, but we'll pick up there. The place of every believer. Notice what it says. To each, each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ today you have a manifestation of the Spirit within you. You have a spiritual gift. There's nobody here today who's trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior that does not have a spiritual gift. Now, you may not completely understand or discern what that spiritual gift is, but if you're a Christian, you have at least one, if probably not more than one, spiritual gifts. Some Christians feel like, well, God must have left me out. I don't think I have any... Trust me, you have one. You just have to start serving and find out which one it is. There's, there's no island of, uh, remember the movie Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Ranger? There's no island of misfits in the body of Christ. There's nobody that's on a little island all by themselves saying, well, God didn't give me a gift. You know, the island of misfit toys. That's not the case in the body of Christ. We all have at least one spiritual gift. To each, it says, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. That includes you. That includes me. You may not understand it yet. You may not be utilizing it to its fullest uh, expression yet, but it's there. You have at least one. Matter of fact, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So the place of every believer in this is important. God doesn't leave anybody out. He doesn't care how long you've been a Christian, whether it's been two days or 40 years. It's irrelevant. You all have a gift. Everyone who is a true believer is experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit in their life. And he wants us to use those gifts for the blessing and benefit of others. He wants us to be able to use those gifts to encourage the body of Christ. That's very important to understand. Well, this third point here in our outline was the purpose of the gifts. And you notice, not only to each one, that's the place of every believer, but the purpose of the gifts, it says there, for the common good. For the common good. Uh, In the original language, that has the idea of toward the bearing together. The verb literally means to bring together. In other words, to bring unity, to bring harmony to the body of Christ. That's what the role, that's what the purpose of our spiritual gifts are. Now, all you have to do is look at the church. It's almost the complete opposite, right? When you start talking about spiritual gifts, gifts, it seems like everybody's divided on this. But the term also came to mean help, confer a benefit, or be advantageous. So in, in the context here, you could say that it's, it's mutually beneficial or advantageous 
for the body of Christ when you use your spiritual gift. I mean, a lot of times people use their spiritual gifts today, it seems, in the wrong way, to hurt others. Uh, Using it not in the power of the Spirit, but in their own flesh, their own carnality. And the purpose in every believer will be a blessing, will be to be a blessing to every other believer. Uh, If somehow your spiritual gift is not a blessing to others, you're not using it in the power of the Spirit. You're using it in the power of the flesh, which, by the way, you can do. You know, there's a lot of people that think they're using their spiritual gift when really they're just carrying out their own desires in the flesh. And sometimes they use their giftedness as an excuse to treat other people in a certain way. That's never should be the case. That never should be the case. Because spiritual gifts are always to edify and to be helpful to the church. Not only does the exercise of our spiritual gifts minister to others, but it also helps them to better use their own gifts. When you see somebody using their gift, that helps you kind of kind of hone in on, on the, the use of your own gift. For example, if, if a pastor who faithfully preaches and teaches to his congregation not only builds them up spiritually, but hopefully he prepares them to be better stewards of their own gift. Matter of fact, that's what Scripture says in Ephesians 4.12. We look at this a little later. But it says the reason God gifted certain people to the church The reason God gifted certain people to the church was for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service. It's not to build yourself up. It's to equip the saints. Why? So they can build up the body of Christ. That's how the church is to function. You don't just hire a pastor to do all the spiritual work. No, the the role of a pastor or an elder is to equip you to do the spiritual work that God has called you to do. The Christian who ministers his gift of helps, if they have a gift of helps, they not only serve other believers, but they encourage them to be more helpful. When you see someone helping out, it should encourage you to help out too. Now, the believer who exercises his gift, maybe of mercy, helps his fellow believers to be more merciful. And so as each one ministers our own gifts, we help others to be better ministers of theirs. On the other hand, the the negative is true as well, right? Um, If you fail to use your gift, if you fail to minister your own gift, then what do you do? You don't help others, you hinder others. You hinder others in ministering their gifts. Someone said, a Christian who does not exercise his spiritual gifts cripples his own ministry and, listen, the ministry of others to say nothing of forfeiting the blessing and reward that would have come to his own life. You know, when you watch football, well, we don't watch much today, but reruns of it anyway. Um, When you watch professional sports, I mean, I'm always amazed at how these people, no matter what the sport is on a professional level, I'm always amazed at how the human body can function at such amazing coordination and endurance and efficiency. I mean, this is their life, right? You think they would. But every muscle, every organ, every blood vessel, every nerve, every cell is harnessed completely to do one thing, whatever their sport is. They want to win. And how wonderful it would be if somehow the body of Christ, the church, could function 
with such efficiency and such harmony, everybody using their gifts at an optimal level to encourage one another. How wonderful it would be that every part of his body, the Lord's body, would work together in total unity and interdependence. I mean, think of the impact the church could have on the world if that were true. If we were somehow wholly responsive to the mind of Christ as the bodies of dedicated athletes are to their owners. Well, the fourth thing here is the matter about the problem of the spiritual gifts, and that's in verses 8 to 10. 8 to 10. And, and this deals with the description of the gifts revealed that we all have different ministries. Now, this is an important part of Scripture, it's, it's, it's very hard just to understand it on its face, so we're going to spend a little time here this morning and hopefully get through verse 11. I put a little chart there in your outline, and you can see the breakdown of the description of the gifts. Remember, in, in 1 Corinthians, we just have a sampling of the gifts. This isn't a list in its entirety of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As a matter of fact, it's just a sampling. There's only nine gifts listed here in our text. Um, but if you look over at Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, you see another seven gifts. So some people say, well, how many gifts are there? Well, we're going to figure this out this morning, hopefully to the best of our ability. So you have nine in our text. You have seven over in chapter 12 of Romans, verses 6 to 8. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So if you look at the text here, verses 6 to 8 of Romans 12, and then back to 8 to 10 of, of 1 Corinthians, we basically have 15 gifts. You have seven plus eight because one is, um, one is mentioned twice. So we have 15 gifts so far in those two passages. Well, there's another nine over in, um, there's another uh, eight, excuse me, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. So we have seven in Romans 12. We have nine in 1 Corinthians 12. But one is mentioned twice, so that gives us 15 in totality. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, down in verse 28, look at what it says here. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. So you see eight that are mentioned right here. But three of them are repeated. So 8 minus 3 is 5. 5 plus 15 is how much? 20. So, so far we got 20 gifts. And then over in Ephesians chapter 4, we read this earlier, verse 11 and 12, it gives us um, uh, four more. But three of them are repeats. It says, and he gave apostles, that was already mentioned, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. That's one gift to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. So, so far we have 20 plus 1 
because out of those four, three are already mentioned. That gives us 21 gifts. And then there's another one a lot of people miss over in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Look at what it says here. It says, showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. And then it says this, as each has received a gift, or the gift of hospitality is the idea. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of the varied grace. And so there's also a gift of hospitality. That's a wonderful gift to have. Some of you have that gift. You like to entertain. You like to, you know, it has the idea of of really entertaining strangers, not just having people over for dinner, but you just, if you see a room of people, you you just are drawn to people that look like they're kind of on the outs. Maybe they're not talking to anybody, and you're just drawn. Your personality just draws them. My wife has this gift, the gift of hospitality. Good, because I don't, you know. I mean, you can, you can see it. And, you know, if you've ever come over for, to our house for dinner, you can see it. You know, she's very hospitable. She's not hurried. She's not rushed. After the last bite of food off your plate, what am I doing? I'm picking the plate up and I'm taking it to the sink to wash it. Why? Because it needs to be done. It's kind of rude. She always calls me on that. You're, you're so rude. You know, they just stop, you know, eating for a second. And you're taking their plate away. Well, they're done. Get the plates out of the way. Come on. Get this shindy gone on, man. Let's get going. You know, you can tell. But my wife, man, she, she could, you know, spend all night talking and everything. And I'm kind of like, okay, okay, I got stuff to do. You know, there's a certain giftedness. People have certain gifts. Hospitality, service, different things. And it, and it comes out in our personalities. Um, so the way to easily remember these is I, I put it there in your outline We'll group, group them in groups of uh, five groups here. First of all, the special gifts, and they're special because these refer to men. These refer to, not because they're men, but they're people. They're men. And these are special gifts, and they are to equip God's people. So we'll, we'll mention the category of the gift, and then we'll give you the purpose of that category of gifts. And these are mentioned in Ephesians 4.11, like I said. Apostles are those that maybe go out to a mission field or whatever to start a brand new work. Evangelists. Um, prophets would be like a, a preacher, not prophetically. This means somebody who stands in front of a crowd and, and proclaims the word of God. And then you have pastor-teacher, which is kind of a combined gift. And so you have uh, these gifts there. And, and, and basically, these are, these are gifts. They're special because they're, they're people. It says that God gave certain men to the church. But it, they're called to equip God's people. That's what these Men do. The apostles, the evangelists, the prophets, the pastor, teachers. They equip the shepherd, the sheep of, of Christ, they, the flock. That's what they're called to do. Well, how do they equip them? What do they equip them with? Well, they equip them with what? The Bible. <laughs> All right? You, you equip the saints of God with the text of Scripture. Now, unfortunately, a lot of churches don't do this. They equip their people with, you know, Nice little talks about happy marriages and, you know, financial freedom and all these other things. Those are important subjects to cover, but it's important to equip your people with the word of God. That's what Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 tells us to do. All scripture is breathed out by God, is profitable for what? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, it says, for training in righteousness... Why? Why do we want to do this? That the man of God or the woman of God may be what? 
complete. Maybe mature. Equipped for every good work. So that's the, the prescription that Scripture gives us to equip God's people. It's through teaching the Bible. Now, it's okay if you have some maybe curriculum on the side to help you out or whatever. But inevitably, you should be drawing your teaching from the text of Scripture. That's why we teach through the Bible here. We don't teach on a book that somebody wrote. We teach through the book that God wrote. We, we teach through the living Word of God. So we have these special gifts. The secondly there, we see in the chart there, speaking gifts. And these, it's kind of obvious, it's to explain God's truth. That's what, how these gifts fall in line there. You see prophecy. What that means is to speak in front of people. Proclaim the word of God. It's not talking about, you know, prophetic messages like what's going to happen tomorrow or anything. It's talking about speaking the word of God, God's truth in front of people. Teaching, making the, the, the meaning of scripture plain. Exhortation. Some people call this the gift of counseling. All right, you're able to take the word of God and apply it to someone's life. Word of wisdom. Notice there, it's not just wisdom. So many times, you know, we'll have a room full of people and there's just somebody standing there, it's all quiet, and everybody else is talking. And somebody will say, well, boy, they're just so wise. They're not saying a word. And then all of a sudden they open their mouth and you realize, boy, they're not wise at all. Okay, this is not just having wisdom. This is being able to speak wisdom into the life of others. That's why it says the word of wisdom. Um, Or the word of knowledge, same thing. Wisdom is applying the knowledge you have. Knowledge is having the facts, having the ability, um, the, the mind, the brilliant mind to be able to Take all those facts and consolidate it and then be able to communicate it to others. There's a lot of people who are very smart and they have a lot of knowledge in their head, but guess what? They never share it with anybody. They never share it with anybody. They don't have the word of knowledge, gift. And so it's, it's very important to understand that. It's not just knowing knowledge for the sake of knowing it, it's Knowing knowledge and being able to have that mind that that gets all the facts and the right stuff and gets it all ready to go and then being able to communicate that to others for their edification. So all these gifts, the speaking gifts, are meant to explain God's truth. And by the way, we're going to be going over these. This isn't this is just an overview. So we're going to be going over these in depth as we get into this. But so thirdly, the serving gifts. What do they do? What's the purpose of them? It, It enables God's work. You need the serving gifts, amen? You need people with these gifts. If you don't have people with these gifts, you're going to have a problem. First of all, you have leadership. What is leadership? Leadership's the ability to stand in front of a group of people and motivate them to do something. In its simplest form, that's what it is. Secondly, you notice the gift of administration. Or some say government. Some translations say governments. Basically, This is the person that tells the leader how much it's going to cost and maybe what order you want to do these things in. There's a lot of people that have the gift of leadership that don't have the gift of administration. So what happens? They end up in a quandary (laughs) because they're all over the place. 
I mean, they have the ability to motivate people, but they haven't figured out how much it's going to cost to do what they're motivating people to do, nor the, maybe the process to go through things. And, and people with the gift of administration or governments are very much needed, especially within the body of Christ. And then you have the gift of ministering or um, serving. This is, is uh, think of this as a task-oriented gift. This is someone who walks into a room, and in the Sunday school room, they notice a light bulb out, and they just go change it. They don't go to the administrator and say, well, can I do They just do it. Why? Because it needs to be done. Or they'll see a piece of trash on the floor, and they just pick it up and put it in. They don't have any, you know, uh, other motivation than, I want to get this done. That's, that's it. And a lot of times, you know, that's a good thing. You need people like that. You need people within an organization that just see things that need to get done, and, boy, they, they just do it. Half the time, they don't even make a list because the thing's not even undone long enough to be put on a list. You know, they're just forging ahead. They're just doing stuff. They don't need someone to tell them what to do. They don't need to wait around and say, oh, boy, that was really great how you changed that light bulb. You know, they, they don't care. They can care less whether you noticed or not. That's the gift of serving or ministering. You also have one of the other serving gifts is the gift of showing mercy. This is a very important gift, with, especially within the body of Christ, right? To be able to show compassion, to show mercy on those who may be sick or suffering. Now, unfortunately, we live in a time and day when, you know, you end up in the hospital in, in most churches, well, what do you do? You call the pastor. That's just what you do. Well, that's fine if the pastor has the gift of mercy. <laughs> if he doesn't have the gift of mercy, you may not want the pastor there <laughs> because it, there's going to be a struggle showing compassion. So sometimes you, you would rather have somebody who has a real, a real compassionate heart and merciful heart. Now, the pastor can have mercy. But a lot of times, they don't. <laughs> Most of the time, they have to work at it. And so this is a, it's a supernatural gift that allows you to show mercy and compassion upon those who are sick and suffering. And it's not just sickness. It could be suffering in life. It could be financial stuff. It could be like that. A lot of times, you know, if you have somebody who's gifted with mercy, they'll sit down and they'll listen to somebody talk. And just lay out all their problems for hours. And someone who may not be as gifted in the area of mercy is sitting there going, okay, okay, I've heard enough. Let's go. Here's your problem. Here's what the Bible says. Just go do it. Now, that, that would be harsh. For, that would be, blow some people away. But that's how some people function. See, and it's good to understand your personality and how God has gifted you so that maybe if, if you're called into a situation where you need somebody there to show mercy, you're like, you know, I'm going to bring brother so-and-so along because I know that I'm kind of lacking in this area. So at least you're, you're not offending people. Um, I remember when John Worthington and I used to counsel people a lot. And John is just a great brother. He has a wonderful gift of mercy. And I remember sometimes in the fellowship hall, that's exactly what would happen. 
you know, it'd be hours later, and I'm just going, look, I've heard this a million times from this, but this is like going circular now. John, here's what we got to do. And then finally, I'd step in, and we'd wrap everything up. And it would work out fine, because they were receiving exhortation, they were receiving teaching, and yet at the same time, they had someone there that was really willing to listen and have compassion on them. So sometimes it's, it's good to know each other's gifts because you can really team up in a, in a more effective way. So that's the gift of, of showing mercy. Also, there's a gift of faith. Gift of faith. We all have to have faith, obviously, to come to Christ. But this is a faith that is supernatural in somebody's life. This is a faith that is able to demonstrate great and mighty things. Um, and usually, when we look at this gift, you're going to find out, usually that comes under difficult circumstances or times of suffering. People who are going through times of suffering or, or just have a lot of stuff that they're dealing with, if they have the gift of faith, boy, they're just, they're just trusting God. And then you see the calm, cool, collected, and it's like, hey, God's going to work this out. You know, whereas someone who may not have this supernatural gift is kind of frenzied, you know, they're, they're worried about what the circumstances they find themselves in. And so this is the ability to demonstrate great and mighty things under difficult circumstances. And then you see here also the gift of discernment or discerning of spirits. In other words, there's some people, and, and you've probably met people like this, I have, who hear someone speak, Maybe it's a message on YouTube or whatever, and you're, you're, you're listening to it, and you're going, wow, this guy's a great speaker. Oh, that's neat. Look at the lights in the background or whatever. And then somebody else listens to you. you got to listen to this message, and you share it with somebody, and they come back, and they go, did you hear what he said? And they just go through exactly what they said and where the errors were, and yet it went right over your head. See, there's certain people that are gifted at pointing out the truth and being able to tell when people are lying about the truth. See, just because someone's standing behind a pulpit with an open Bible, that does not mean that they're teaching truth. Matter of fact, it's not easy today to discern the fallacy from the truth a lot of times because the people that are teaching heresies and things like that don't get up with a big sign saying, hey, I'm about ready to teach you something that's heretical, right? No, they have the messages memorized and they're slick and they look all got great white teeth and a great smile, and boy, they just make you feel all warm and gooey inside. And the whole time they're doing it, they're slipping error to you. They're teaching you error. And see, some people sit there and don't even see it. Other people who are gifted with discernment go, whoa, wait a minute, red flag, pal. You just said this. That, the Bible doesn't teach that. And they'll call them on it. We need people like that within the body of Christ. So those are the first three groups. The fourth group are what we call support groups. Our support groups. Whereas the serving gifts enable God's work to go on, the support groups enable God's people to do God's work. Kind of makes sense, right? So you have the gift of helps there. And you say, well, isn't that the same as serving? No. Remember, serving or ministering, basically, they just see something that needs to be done and they go do it. A person with the gift of helps has to have a person attached to it. So if there was a piece of paper laying on the, on the ground, a person who helps would walk right by it. Why? Because there's nobody standing there that just dropped their dollar bill or their paper that can't bend over and get it. A person with the, the gift of helps would stop and say, oh, do you need help? You know, and they'd bend down and get the paper for him. 
Whereas the person who serves might just walk right by, not even understanding the person dropped the piece of paper. But you could have an empty room with a piece of paper on the floor and a gift person who's gifted with service or ministering would walk over and pick up that piece of paper without anybody watching, without anybody prompting them. They're very task-oriented. The gift of helps is very people-oriented. It has to have a person. They're motivated by relieving someone else of something. Uh, they, they love helping other people. They really enjoy that. And, and praise God for that, right? We all need help in different areas. And there's some people that are just supernaturally gifted. They just love doing that. Then you have the gift of giving. Wow, that's a great gift, right? Right? (laughs) I mean, you can tell people that have the gift of giving. I mean, they can't wait to put their money in the offering. They can't wait to give toward a cause. It just comes out of them supernaturally. They're not even counting the, the numbers. They're just like, wow, there's a need I just want to give toward it. See, that, that's how that happens. They don't need to hear a tear-jerking story or anything like that. They just, they just love to give to God's work. And not just monetarily, all right, with their time, with their talent, with their treasure, all those ways you can give to the body of Christ. And then we mentioned hospitality. And this isn't just having someone over for dinner. This is, this is really uh, loving up on strangers, people you don't even know. You're just drawn to them. And so you, you make them feel at ease, and you just have a way of, of you know, if, if you've been to people's houses and they have the gift of hospitality, it's kind of like you never want to leave. It's just, boy, this is a great experience. But if you've ever been to somebody's house and they don't have the gift of hospitality, you know, then, then it may not be a, a great ex- experience. Um. They're, through the whole dinner, they're saying, I, I, it took me so much to make this meal for you, man. It was just, I worked hours on this. I hope you enjoy it. And there's almost, they're complaining while they're telling you, and you can't kind of feel awkward, right? Well, they don't probably have the gift of hospitality uh, because they're, they're looking at it as a task. So those are support gifts. And then the fifth grouping here are sign gifts or miraculous gifts. And these are given to establish God's authority. It's very important we understand that. In the New Testament, we see these gifts being utilized when the church was brand new on the scene. Why? Because the authority of God through the apostles and through the disciples needed to be established. People needed to understand that these disciples were, were from God. They were from Christ. They weren't just a bunch of guys that got together and said, oh, Jesus is gone. Let's make our own thing. No. So they were able to be gifted supernaturally to do certain things, to establish their authority as God's representatives. And so there's four here, the working of miracles, gifts of healings, that's plural, by the way, kinds of tongues or languages, and interpretation of tongues or languages. And so we'll, we'll be covering all those things in the future, um, but... A lot of people, when it comes to the sign gifts, you have basically two major classifications within the church. You have people who would say that they continue today. That all these sign gifts, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings and tongues and languages and all that, it continues to this day. There's other section of the body of Christ that says, no, these gifts ended when God's authority was established. 
Okay, they had the Bible. They started the church. There was no need for these, these working of these miracles and gifts of healings and all that. Does God heal? Sure. But we're talking here about the gift that God would give you to go heal someone. And so you can see where this causes some issues within the body of Christ because there's those that say, oh, no, these are all active for today. And there's some of us, our church, would say, no, they ceased. They ceased when God's authority was established when the New, church, when the New Testament church was established. There was no need for them anymore. And it kind of makes sense because if these were still active today, you would see them, not just on TV through some televangelist, okay? If you had the gift of healings, that would mean that supernaturally you could go up to Sequoia Hospital and walk through the hospital wing and go, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, and empty the hospital. It wasn't dependent on anyone's faith. It was a supernatural gift that God gave those who established the New Testament church to set them apart from everybody else. It was such a unique thing. When, when they did it, they just were blown away. And they said, wow, these people must be from Christ. They must be from God. I mean, we know they're just simple fishermen. How are they doing these miraculous signs? It must be the authority of God in their life. Or the ability to, to speak languages. We see that in the New Testament as well. And so this is very important. We see the description of these gifts, and they reveal that we all have different ministries. And there's only nine listed here. This is just a sampling. But notice in verse 8, it tells us very clearly that it's the same Spirit, the same Spirit who gives us these gifts. It's the same Spirit. It says in verse 8 there, to one is given by the Spirit. And then down in verse 9, by the same Spirit. He says it twice, just so we get it right. Even though there's a variety of different gifts, and they're all used in different ways, and different personalities, and different people, no one can say, well, I got my gift from... No, it's got to be from the Holy Spirit. That's the only place these gifts come from. And so we want to understand that we may have different gifts, and we may use them in different ways, <clears throat> But the source is the same spirit. The source is the same spirit. And some are, are similar to other gifts. This is the next point here. You notice there, and it says in verse 8, and this is kind of interesting. A lot of commentaries don't even go into this, but it's kind of fun to be able to have a program that points this out to you. So it says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another. See that word, another? Well, there's two different words in the original language for another. There's one, a loss, that means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. And the other word is heteros. All right, heterogeneous, you know, it's different. Another of a different kind. What's interesting is in this just small text of Scripture here in verses 8 to 10, he uses those two words. And by using those two words, he basically creates three sets of gifts. Two, five, and then two. Because he says, for to one is given the spirit of utterance, and to another, that's the same, the same kind, the utterance of knowledge. That kind of makes sense. 
you know, if you're going to speak wisdom, you're probably going to have to speak it from some kind of knowledge. So they're, they're combined. It's the same kind. The utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. But look in verse 9. He says to another, guess what? It's not a loss. It's heteros, which means of a different kind. Another of a different kind, faith by the same spirit. And then he says to another of the same kind, gift of healings by one spirit. Verse 10, to another of the same kind as faith, the working of miracles. To another, the same kind, prophecy. To another, the same kind, the ability to distinguish between spirits. So somehow, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, they're all related. They're all related. But then, at the end of verse 10, he says to another, various kinds of tongues or languages, that word to another is heteros. Once again, he's saying, wait, this is different. (laughs) There's a break here. It's not the same as faith. It's not the same as the working of miracles. Somehow it's different. Different kind of tongues and the same as to another is the same, the interpretation of tongues. So you can see where he kind of groups knowledge and wisdom together. He groups faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment together. And then he groups different kinds of languages or tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Kind of neat how exact the word of God is, isn't it? That, that God has a purpose in that. Now, a lot of different commentators, why does he do this? There's a lot of different reasons. There's got to be a reason, right? I mean, it was a spirit, under the spirit of God. Um, some believe that they're similar in nature, but then others say, well, maybe they're different in how they have supernatural results. Okay, so we don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing this out. Uh, some are supernatural in terms of what they accomplish, some people say. Working of miracles and, and the gift of healings, the kind of tongues. You see those gifts played out. That's going to look a whole lot different than um, you know someone speaking wisdom or speaking knowledge. So maybe that's what it is. We don't, we don't really know. But it's interesting to, to point that out. So we see the distribution of the gifts in verse 11 here, the last point rests upon the sovereignty of who? God. It rests upon the sovereignty of God. He says there in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. All these gifts. Who what? Who apportions to each one individually as he prays for him, as he wants him, as he desires him? No, as he wills, as the Spirit wills. See, there's more hurt caused in churches today by trying to get the gifts you don't have. There's people that have classes on how they can teach you to have certain gifts. That's not right. That's not even biblical. There's a lot of people that are today within the church of Christ are being um, encouraged to pray for certain gifts or to seek certain gifts. I want that gift. I want this. There's some faiths mostly in the charismatic movement, that would say, well, you're not even saved unless you speak in tongues. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's it's not biblical at all. Matter of fact, it's just the opposite. This is telling us the Holy Spirit works the gifts 
through the believers. It's the Holy Spirit's job to figure out how he wants to gift you when you come to Christ. It's not your job. Thank goodness, right? I mean, I don't have to worry about that. God has gifted me the way he's gifted me. Now, you can learn to use your gifts more efficiently and and better and things like that and grow, I think. But it's the work of the Spirit in your life. It's not your work. That's why you can have someone with many degrees after their name get up and teach a sermon, and everybody goes, wow, what in the world did they even say? Didn't even apply to me. And yet you get somebody that's out in the country that's never had a, never even completed a high school education, but you know what? God has gifted them with a gift of teaching, and they get up and they just speak very plainly, but boy, when you walk out of there, you know you've been taught. Why? Because God is doing that through them. So it's the Holy Spirit who works the gifts through the believers. It says all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit. But it's also the Holy Spirit who wills the distribution of the gifts. He apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's not just a big, giant, you know, allotment. Okay, you're all gifts, you're all teachers, you're all healers, you're all... No, it says individually. In other words, the Spirit of God takes time with each of us individually. It has a plan and a purpose. It's not just, you know, well, just get out there and figure out what your gift is. Now, in closing, very quickly, I just want to leave you with four important Uh, blessings to the church if, as a church, as church members, we utilize our spiritual gifts. If we're willing to utilize and understand how God has gifted us, these are some blessings that can come as a result of that. First of all, Christians themselves can receive a great blessing. Isn't it wonderful to know that God is using you in a supernatural way, and it's not contingent upon who you are or what you're doing? Uh, There's a blessing to be had for those who are exercising their spiritual gifts. And you can also say that you're blessed when others exercise their spiritual gift because they're building you up. It's a benefit. God never intended for the ministry of his church to be carried out by a few professionals or specially talented men. That's not the role that God has aligned, laid out for his body, the members of the body of Christ. Um, we're, I always say we're not called to a spectator sport. You know, it's, it's, you, you don't get to come just Sunday after Sunday and sit there and listen and do nothing. That's not your role. Your role is to minister. You come here on a Sunday morning. Why? To be built up, to be edified from the Word of God so that you can go out and use your gift within the body of Christ and even without it. At your place of business, at work, whatever. That God would use you in a dynamic way. Secondly, so it's a blessing to the Christians themselves. Secondly, when everyone does their part in ministry, the church forms a dynamic witness with power and effectiveness it can not otherwise have. When you have a a body of Christ that everybody's interested in utilizing their spiritual gifts, guess what? That looks a whole lot different to a lost and dying world than a church that doesn't even know what their spiritual gifts are and nobody's using them. It looks a whole lot different. Um, not only are those with the gift of evangelism empowered to witness more effectively, but every believer is used directly or indirectly in strengthening the testimony for the gospel before unbelievers. We all share in the results. It says in, in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 
40, 41 through 47 there, when the Jews in the church, including many of the new converts, began faithfully and, and, and um, sacrificially exercising their spiritual gifts, it says the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Why was this happening? Because they were utilizing their spiritual giftedness. They were doing what God has called them to do. Thirdly, when the church ministers its gifts, guess what? God's leaders become apparent. See, in a faithfully functioning church, spiritual leadership just kind of comes to the top. It just rises. It emerges. Capable leadership is essential for the church to operate as it should. But a faithful church is also necessary to provide the environment in which leaders can develop and lead as they should. And so we need to be reminded of that. Um, you're not made a leader by attending a leadership seminar. <laughs> That's not what makes you a leader. God equips his leaders when they are saved. And when they come to have spiritual and, and moral, moral qualifications that come from the obedience to his word, their leadership blossoms and becomes evident. I know without a doubt we have certain people who are gifted in the area of leadership within our church that are hesitant to use their gift. And you need to pray about that because God has gifted you for a purpose. A spirit-filled leadership appears rapidly when God is freely at work in his body. And then the last thing here, a church that faithfully uses its gifts in the Spirit's power, notice that, in the Spirit's power, experiences the joy and great unity, love, and fellowship in ways that no amount of human ability and planning or effort could ever produce. This is so important. These four things are benefits when we as a church not only understand that we're gifted, but understand what our giftedness is and also are using our spiritual giftedness to minister to others within the body of Christ. See, that's what we're called to be as a church. We're not called to be a group of spectators that comes every week and just sits here and then goes home. <laughs> we're called because we've been gifted all by the Holy Spirit. We're called together, and then we begin to minister one to another. And as the body functions that way, you see that it, its efficiency becomes more evident. And there's certain members of the body that are gifted in certain things that, are, that nobody else would ever do. But that's what their giftedness is, and that's great. And then there's other people that are gifted in other ways, and those people go, boy, I'd never want to do that. But that's what they're gifted in. See, and the only way to really understand what your giftedness is is to start serving. Just to start. And you'll figure it out. The Holy Spirit is perfectly capable of leading and guiding you. If you have the gift of leadership, he'll raise you up. If you have the gift of teaching, there'll be opportunities for you to teach. And not just opportunities, but people will be blessed when you teach. If you have the gift of counseling, all of a sudden, if you're praying about it, God will bring across your, your path people that need counseling. Or he'll provide people that need help if you have the gift of helps. Or he'll provide avenues for you to serve. And so it's very important that we understand that as the body, as the church, we are called to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we serve one another. And that brings honor and glory to him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's close in a word of prayer.
and then we'll have one last song. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you have supernaturally gifted us as believers to serve one another, to build one another up. And Lord, we we thank you that we can rely on your spirit to do just that, that we don't have to come up with some kind of formula to figure this out, that you've already prescribed our gifts, that you already distributed our gifts, that you've already empowered us and gifted us to minister here within the body of Christ. And so as your children, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for the Spirit's power in our lives. Thank you that we're not just cast out there in the world to do this on our own. Um, Lord, we pray for those who have yet to put their faith, their trust in Christ because they don't have the Spirit's power. They don't have that assurance. They don't have the ability to serve. And Father, we just pray that you would cause them to reflect on their own eternal soul, that you would show them their need of a Savior the sinfulness of their own heart and the exchange that needs to take place. They need to come to you in repentance and sorrow for their sin and ask you to forgive them. Ask you to cleanse them through the blood of Christ. Give them to faith to believe in you and commit their lives to you. Not just for this life, but for all eternity. And as they do that, Lord... The Word of God explains that as being born again. They're transformed. They're, they're made a new cr- creature in Christ. The old has passed away and the new has come. And so we pray for each heart that may be here today who is unsure of their salvation or maybe they haven't trusted Christ. I pray that you would just bless them with salvation, with the gift, gracious gift of salvation through Christ. Cause them to turn to you. For salvation. We thank you and we, we pray your blessing upon our fellowship time afterwards and just uh, bless this up and coming week and keep us safe from the fires and everything else that's going on. And we just thank you and praise you for this uh, chance to meet once again as the body of Christ. We ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen.